Good morning, friends. I should say good morning, neighbors. It's good to be with you, and and, uh, thank you for your grace. I did figure out this zipper, finally, but um, it's wonderful to be with you, and it's a a great day in in the church to to celebrate neighborliness and and think about what it means to be a good neighbor, something that, that Jesus teaches throughout the gospel, and we seek to embody as his people. Our second reading today is from the Gospel of John, the ninth chapter, beginning with the first verse. I invite you to listen for God's word. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man or his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and received my sight. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So um, this year I ha- I've had the, uh, this school year rather, I've had the joy of getting to take my son to school every, every morning. And when we do that, we drive right through Old Town. And whenever we have time, he insists that we see his favorite place in all of town, the old jail. <laughs> he is a five-year-old boy after all. But now he also wants to see the new jail. And so we drive by both of them. And this is naturally, as it does with young children, come to some questions as we've gone along. Daddy, why are there jails? Why do people go to jail? Can kids go to jail? I'll spare you my answers to these questions. One, because I'm not quite sure I remember what I said. And two, I'm pretty sure it wasn't that profound or eloquent. But it got me thinking about tough questions. Tough questions we get asked. Tough questions we ask. And since it's Mr. Rogers' Sunday, or neighboring Sunday, I'm reminded of something Fred would often say. Whatever is mentionable is manageable. Whatever is mentionable is manageable. It's a good motto for someone who works with children because children mention just about everything, whether or not it's appropriate. But in the world in which we live today, we have a tendency of doing the opposite, don't we? We try to not mention things. We try to sweep things under the rug, or maybe even 
Uh, and when we do bring up things, we, we respond to them with unhelpful or even harmful platitudes. You know, the good old one that God needed another angel in heaven. So sometimes we respond with these unhelpful or harmful platitudes, but more often than not, we sweep issues and tough questions under the rug. When we do that, the issue, and not only the issue, but the persons involved are moved off to the side, kept to the margins of society. This is exactly where we meet Jesus and his disciples in our reading today. As Jesus and his disciples are walking, they come across a man who was born blind. Now, in those days, to be born blind was to be seen as there's something wrong with you. You're untouchable. As such, you're, you're kind of moved off, pushed to the side, swept under the rug of society, which is why they talked about him later as being someone who had to beg. You couldn't be in the city center. You had to, to reserve yourself to the outskirts of town, and you had to resort to begging. But when they encountered this man who was born blind, the disciples don't say, how can we help him? What do they say? Rabbi, teacher, Oh, someone is saying it. Go for it. Who sinned? Yeah. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? This is a common um, theological assumption of the day, right? That if you sinned or there was something wrong with you, if you had a disease or, or tragedy befell you, that you did something wrong, that you deserved it. I mean, the whole book of Job is premised on this. Now, it's easy to kind of scapegoat that as, oh, that was how things were in the Bible, but that's not the way things are today, but we'd be fooling ourselves, right? So many times over the years, church leaders have blamed disease or tragedy or natural disasters on sin. Now, it'd also be easy to scapegoat that on the, the big televangelists and, and say, we don't do that, right? But we know we'd be fooling ourselves. Sometimes consciously, but more often unconsciously, we say the same thing or, or think the same thing in our head. It might not be who sinned, but it might be the close cousin to that. Who's to blame for this? Who's at fault here? We have this tendency in the world in which we live to blame people's ailments, their shortcomings, on themselves, whether it's poverty or addiction or any other disease or, or certainly more recently with mental illness, we have this tendency of blaming people for their own ailments, their own things that, that are holding them down and, and keeping them out of a life of fullness and, and love and community. It shouldn't come as a surprise, but I, I looked up one statistic this week that said that 75% of Christians think that the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. Spoiler alert, it doesn't. At least not that bluntly. There's some verses you could read out of context to maybe say that, but the Bible doesn't say that, friends. Yet, I think there's something innately human about wanting a simple answer to a really complicated and troubling thing. As humans, we want to make sense of an often senseless world. There's got to be a different way. 
There's got to be a better way, right? Thankfully, that's just what Jesus offers his disciples and us. So after the disciples asked who sinned, what does Jesus say? Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Period. Full stop. If you don't remember another thing I say today, remember this. God does not will pain or suffering on anyone. No matter what. That is the God we know in Christ. Neither this man nor his parents sinned that he was born blind. But in verse 3 says, He was born blind so that God's glory would be revealed in him. I think that's kind of a problematic reading. You could say that God made this person blind from birth so that Jesus could heal him later, right? That's not what the Greek actually says. That, that he was born blind so that isn't even in the text. It does, that, that he was born blind isn't there. Instead, all you see is this, this little conjunction, hina in Greek. It, means, uh, it could mean so that, but another reading, and the one I prefer, is since or because. So because the man was born blind, God's glory is revealed or will be revealed in him. God didn't will this, yet God's glory, God's love, God's grace, and God's mercy will be seen through him. So Jesus heals him with a little mud and a good old gospel trick. You see that when he heals blind people in in most of the gospels. But the healing isn't the most important part. He heals the man, but he's a lot more concerned with the actual person bringing him into community, bringing him from the, away from the outskirts, away from having to beg, and into the city center to share with others who Jesus is, what Jesus did for him. Now, there's a leading thing there. Um, a lot of times you would say that was a miracle, Jesus healing someone's blindness. There are no miracles in the Gospel of John. There's a word for miracle in Greek that the other Gospels use, John never uses it. Instead, the word John uses is sign. See, a miracle is something that speaks for itself. Jesus healing someone who is blind, they can see. That's, I mean, pretty impressive, right? But a sign points to something deeper, something beyond. And each time in John, these these healings are signs of something deeply innate in who Jesus is. And they're often connected with these I am statements. So in our reading today, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Jesus healing this man is a sign to who he truly is as the light of the world. Seeing beyond ailment, seeing beyond suffering, and seeing to the very person, the very unique and wonderful child of God there in front of him, and seeking to bring this person into healing and wholeness and community with others. Friends, we can follow in Jesus' example by by living and following the light of the world. And I think the best way we can do that is by asking better questions. Instead of the age-old question of who sinned or who's at fault or who's to blame, we can say, who is this unique and wonderful child of God in front of me? What are their pains, their sufferings? What's their story? 
how can I be a good neighbor to them? Okay, since it's Mr. Rogers Sunday, I'll tell one more Mr. Rogers story. If you were to ask him, and, and he said this a number of times, what his favorite moment in his decades of, of television was, it, it, he would always say it was his encounter with a young boy named Jeff Erlanger. Jeff was a young boy that was born with a very complicated form of, of um, cancer on his spine. And uh, before he had a very complicated and, and difficult operation, to address the, his cancer, um, the family reached out to Fred, and he was there with them uh, before the surgery. Unfortunately, the, the complications from that made the boy paralyzed. Several years later, Fred invited Jeff to be on his show. And you see Jeff, this sweet little boy, in an electric wheelchair come up to Fred. And Jeff, or, uh, Fred goes right to the very core of who this unique and wonderful child of God is. He asks him questions about his cool electric chair. He asks him questions about his journey through illness, but also the love and support that he's received from doctors and friends and family, and even saying, I bet your parents are pretty proud of you. I know I am. But the highlight of the show, of his encounter with Fred, it's when he sang those beautiful, simple, but profound words. It's you I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. But it's you I like. The way you are right now. The way down deep inside you. Not the things that I do. <laughs> Not your fancy chair, it's just beside you. Friends, through Jesus' example, through Fred's example, we can learn a different way. We can ask different questions, better questions. Questions that get us to the core of who this person is, who a person is, as a unique and wonderful child of God, and how we can be their neighbor, how we can accompany them in whatever life is throwing at them. May we do so. May we seek to follow the light of the world in all we do. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.